stretch our hands across to the servant of the Lord as he reaches out and reaches out to us. Father, we thank you for Brother Pete. And we bless you, dear Lord God, for the favor that Lord you grant help to him to come to be with us. We receive him, dear Lord God, in your love. And we thank you, oh dear God, for sending him unto us this morning. Again, your word reminds us that my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. I give unto them eternal life. Father, we commit our brother into your holy hands in the name of Jesus. Let your voice come through him in the name of Jesus. Anoint him with the anointing, O oh dear Lord, that breaks every yoke. Let the truth come forth, O oh dear Lord, that will make us free. And Lord, let your light come through, O oh dear Lord, that we shall be built up even in the knowledge of you for the glory of your divine name. Let your glory rest upon your servant as he ministers in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Great. Thank you so much for inviting me to come along here. It's a real privilege to be here. Great to worship God together. Thank you so much to the musicians that have led us. Great to break bread together, remembering Christ is here, isn't he? Yeah. By the power of his risen spirit. Uh, I found it fascinating, the journey really, I guess over the last couple of years. Just for, so I lead a church called Redeemer, which meets in Ealing Town Hall. And just how our two churches, in many respects, have, have sort of travelled together. Our youth have gone to New Day together for the last two years. I know that John and Peggy are often here, involved in the healing rooms. Uh, and my wife spoke, so you've had the better half already at the ladies' breakfast. <laughs> Unfortunately, I won't be able to keep up to that high standard, but it's nice to follow in her footsteps. She's sorry she can't be here today. She's uh, been off work and flew in bed. Um, I know also Sam and the band came and uh, led some worship a couple of weeks. So it's just been great, the connections really between our two churches. I am praying that God is going to speak to you. If you've got a Bible, I'd love it if you could turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. I don't know about you, I find it easy to start things, but how easy is it is to finish them? Um, I am 50 years old, I turned 50 last year. And so I'm in that midlife crisis moment where I have to try and do all these things to prove that I've still got life in me. So I've signed up in four months' time to cycle from Land's End to John O'Groats. So if you don't know, that's the bottom of the country to the top. But I'm not a cyclist. I've not been on a bike for five years. And I thought, oh, it can't be that hard, can it? Anyway, I got on a bike and after two hours I was sore. And uh, it's 950 miles that we're going to be doing hopefully in nine days. I quite like the idea of starting. I'm not sure if I'm going to finish. I've now thought, well, why don't I just drive it and my friend could cycle and I could drive behind him. I think spiritually it's easier to start. Spiritually, how easy do we find it to finish? The author of the book of Hebrews, which we're not totally sure who wrote it, but the author was writing to a bunch of believers that had got tired in their faith. And what he was doing is he was writing to them, saying, look, come on, don't give up. I want you to be inspired to keep going. We're going to look at one figure out of this whole chapter. There's a chapter which talks about many people that are full of faith. We're going to look at Joseph. I don't know what you think about when you think about Joseph. I can show my age. I went to see Joseph in the West End Theatre when it was Jason Donovan. Some of you say, who? I don't even know him. Yeah, he was uh, on one of these Australian uh, program soaps. Anyway, let's read about Joseph from here. Verse 1 in Hebrews 1, Hebrews 11 says this. Faith 
is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Verse 6 says, without faith it is impossible to please God. And verse 22 talks about Joseph. By faith, Joseph at the end of his life made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. That doesn't seem a lot to me when it talks about the life of Joseph. When I went to the musical, I heard about the wonderful coat. And some of you want to start singing straight away. <laughs> when I think about Joseph, I think about he was obviously such a good looking guy that the boss's wife came on to him. Oh, what a story. What a faithful man. But it's not here. I think of a guy that was in prison for two years, wrongly accused, used by God, but it's not here. I think of a man that interpreted dreams. Wow, it was supernatural, but it's not here. I think of a guy that gathered grain and fed the nations, but it's not here. What can I learn about faith from the bones of Joseph? Well, I guess there's only one way to do to find this out. If you turn back in your Bibles to Genesis, it's the first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 50, we discover something about these bones of Joseph. It says in chapter 50 of Genesis, verse 22, in my Bible it says, the death of Joseph. So Joseph remained in Egypt, he and his father's house. Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation. The children also of Micaiah, the son of Manasseh, were counted as Joseph's own. And Joseph said to his brothers, we know they'd fallen out, we know they'd been reconciled, I am about to die. But God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old. They embalmed him and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Oh, so even Joseph, at the end of his life, there was something about his bones. And I'm hoping, Paul tells me that you really like a sermon for two hours, but I'm going to try and keep it at 30 minutes. He says, no, give them the whole word of God, Pete. I'm hoping in the next 30 minutes we're going to look at, well, what do these bones do? And what's this stirring of the bones of Joseph? And how does that apply to us? I guess my first thing would be this. In the lesson of faith, faith sees. Faith sees. Corrie ten Boom, she was the Dutch watchmaker who ended up in a Second World War prison camp. She said, faith sees the invisible, believes the unbelievable, and receives the impossible. So there's a sense of faith sees. Why do I say that from Joseph? Joseph is about to die, but he's still looking at the future. 
He says he's 110 years old, he is about to die. Joseph speaks about the exodus. He describes a triumphant deliverance. I don't think it was just some passing reference. I think it would have been a dream. Don't forget, the Israelites weren't even slaves at this point. But Joseph speaks about a conviction that God is going to take them to this promised land. Joseph is trusting God. Joseph has deep convictions. Joseph has a living faith right until the day he dies. So if I ask you the question this morning, what's your vision for the future? What are you believing for God in your family, in your life? What are you trusting God for, for this church? Now, when we look at Joseph, how did he know what to have faith in? How did he know to have this faith to see? Well, his faith was based on God's promises. Joseph hasn't just closed my eyes, drew back the curtain. Yeah, there you go, some of you know. Straight in the musical. It wasn't this. No, no, actually, what Joseph was saying is, what about the promises of God? We have them recorded now in the book of Genesis, but I believe that they also would have had this record of God has promised. In Genesis 12, God had promised the land to Abraham. In Genesis 26, he had repeated the oath to Isaac. In Genesis 28, he had applied the blessing to Jacob. So Joseph, even at the end of his life, said, Oh, but God, your word. You said. God, you said. Look. I'm 110, I'm about to die, but you said. If we want to believe in faith for the future, we've got to be those that get a hold of the word of God. What does the word say? God loves you. God forgives you. God chose you. God accepts you. God delights in you. God promises never to leave you. God fills you with his spirit if you ask. God has plans for your life. One day he'll come back and take you to heaven. This is what we believe. So if we've got faith, what is our faith going to say? What does the word say to us? There's the word and there's also, I believe, Joseph based his faith on prophecy. Why do I say that? Unfortunately, I brought a PowerPoint, but it's not quite worked. So you'll have to trust me or keep flicking through the Bible. But in Genesis 48, Israel, that was the name of Joseph's father, says, Behold, I'm about to die, but God will be with you and will bring you to the land of your fathers. So what, what Joseph was basing his faith on, he says, look, the word of God has said this, but actually it's been prophesied. God has spoken. We take prophecy seriously. I know for me personally, it's beautiful. My daughter is 21, she's at university, and she said to me, Dad, you know what, I've started a prophecy diary. Amen. And she said, I just keep writing them down. She said, you know what, since I've started it, I get more prophecies. Amen. She's come with faith and expectation, she's got this book and she's writing them down. She said, oh, do you know? she, she said, do you know, I've had 21 this year. This was at the end of last year, I'm not trying to say by February. <laughs> She's taking it seriously. She's saying, God, what are you saying? Faith that sees, hears the word of God and receives what the Spirit says to us. Let me ask you again, what's God said over here? What are you believing God to accomplish? 
funny, I'd had a word over me, oh, God, probably about five years ago, that someone said, I see you with these maps, Pete, and I believe that you're going to start seeing something happen in nations. I'd forgotten all about it, to be totally honest. Um, I absolutely love my home church, and I really like to be there every single Sunday. I don't very often preach elsewhere at all, but in January, I happen to be preaching in Cardiff because I'm getting involved in coaching a guy who's planting a church down there. I thought, oh, wow. Oh, nations. And, and last week, I happened to be in Belfast because I'm getting involved in coaching a guy who's planting a church there. And, and then I've just booked a ticket because I'm going to Glasgow to see a guy who's uh, planting a church there. I've also got tickets in May to go to Berlin because I'm involved in a guy planting a church there. And then last year, I realised I went to Istanbul because I'm involved in a guy planting a church there. It's not about me, it's... Oh, I set my eyes open. I think, God, you said. Amen. And now you're doing it. Amen. What's God said to you? What's God said to you? Faith sees is my first point. My second point is this. Faith in. Faith in. Martin Luther, he was the German professor involved in the Reformation, says faith is a living and unshakable confidence, a belief in the grace of God, so assured that a man would die a thousand deaths for its sake. He believed in God. That's what Martin Luther was saying. Alan Redpath, he's a British evangelist, pastor and author. Faith is two empty hands held open to receive all of the Lord. So his faith was saying, actually, what, what, what do we believe in? Our danger is that we believe in ourselves. Our danger is we believe in our good looks or the skin of our teeth. Our danger is that we believe in our abilities, our skills, our family connections, our friends, our government, or nothing. <laughs> Joseph does not go down the road of self-confidence. He's not declaring, I am the man. But he's supremely declaring, you are God. Joseph has done well materially and socially, but his confidence is still not in himself. He is old and about to die. But he says this, these two words, which I think are so key in the whole of Scripture, but God. I'm about to die, but God. You see, he has got faith in who God is. God is able. If you think about the life of Joseph, God never left him when he was going through a difficult time. God knew the future and spoke through Joseph. God was able to interpret the dreams. God is the one who should be feared. God is faithful through generations. God is sovereign and in charge of life. God fulfills what he spoke. Oh, Joseph had never seen Jesus. So we don't just go, oh, oh, who was the God of Joseph? Oh, was he? No, actually, we think of the God of Jesus. Who walks on water and heals the sick. Makes the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk, the dead are raised. Love is shown by willing to die on a cross. This is the God that we have faith in. One day he will return and every eye will see him. So often, I, I've grown up in the church to be totally honest. 
Uh, I was um, raised in a Baptist church. I went for nine months before I was even born. I was that committed. <laughs> My parents were totally involved in the church. When I was born, we used to go to Sunday school and then the morning meeting. And then after about the age of three, we went to the evening meeting. I'd go three times on a Sunday. I still worry that my view of God is too small. We've got to believe in a but God. It doesn't matter how long we've been around the life of the church. But God, what could God do? We've just done even a a three-week series on this as a church where we've just stopped at the beginning of the year and thought, if we thought, but God, what could God do? God bless you. So, faith sees faith in. My third point this morning would be this. Faith overcomes. We know this actually if you read um, later on in the book of Joshua. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you. We know, don't we, that God says I'm able to overcome. Joshua was taken on from the mighty Moses. And suddenly think, I don't know if I can do it, but God says you can. Zach Poonan, he's an Indian Bible teacher, says this, if you fear God, (coughs) you really need fear nothing else. Because faith overcomes. But you know what? I think like most other things in life, things we have to battle for. I don't know about you, I, I used to be a primary school teacher. I did a four-year degree. It felt like a battle. They don't just sort of hand out degrees on bits of paper, you know what I'm saying? You've got to attend the lessons, you've got to write the essays. You've got to fight for it. If you want to raise your kids to love God, you've got to fight for them. You've got to pray for them. You've got to invest in them. You've got to listen to them. If you want to have a great marriage, you've got to fight for it. You've got to say, no, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to pray. I believe Joseph fought for faith. I think he'd crossed many barriers to get to this point at the end of his life. What are some of the barriers that he overcame that I think we should overcome? I guess my first thing would be this. I'd be very careful saying this. I don't want to look at anyone when I say this one. Age. Yeah, you look somebody in the eye and they suddenly they're not going to listen to the rest of the sermon. He thought I was old. Joseph is 110 years old. I know, just being 50, that life knocks you and you get disappointed. I find it easier to be cynical when I'm 50 than when I was 20. And I think it's an obstacle to faith. Because I tried and it didn't work. I trusted somebody and they let me down. I was in the church and they disappointed me. And so with age, the danger is that I can, beget, I can get cynical. I've seen it all before. Paul says, come on, we're going to do this. We're going to reach this community. We're going to see it. I've seen it all before. Come on, let's all stand and give our money, finance. I've seen it all before. I believe that Joseph would have had the battle of age in his faith. I think another battle he'd overcome to be faithful was culture. Joseph had only lived in Canaan for 17 years. 93 years, therefore, he'd been in Egypt. 
He probably learnt to speak another language, write, read, develop business, but he refused to let the culture around him shape him. So at the end of his life, he said, well, I'm, I'm not going to become this Egyptian, I'm still a man of faith. I find that a challenge. I absolutely live, love living in London. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. I think, what a buzz of a city to be in. What a privilege to be here in their capital for Jesus. But do you know the challenge I find? It's rooted in individualism. And so when it comes to faith, I think, oh, how does this church serve me? How does it meet my needs? The danger is that I've let the culture get into me so quick and I've got to throw that off and I think, no, I'm not going to let this culture infiltrate me. I'm going to remain full of faith. I'm not sure if the next barrier I can think of is one that I've had yet, one that I'd like to have. Maybe I wouldn't. Joseph was wealthy. Joseph has married and become rich. He has servants and money. We know he had a silver cup. He chucked it in one of his brother's bags. We know he had a chariot and rings, fine clothes, big house. I'm suggesting he had a timeshare on the Nile, but that is not in the Bible. <laughs> but what I do know is this. His comfort did not choke his faith in God. And I find that easy. I find the more comfortable I get, the more it chokes my faith. And I think, how do I overcome that? How do I overcome the fact that, let's be honest, I have more to eat than most in the world. I have a warm house. I was able to drive my wife's car here today. <laughs> oh God, help me not to be choked by material things and still to trust you. I was thinking this, his career could have been a barrier for Joseph. He, by this point, we know, had been gathering grain for seven years. We know that he'd built these storehouses and keeping records until they couldn't keep them anymore because there was so much. He has been involved in a major selling program, negotiating prices, looking out for spies, being diligent. He was responsible for thousands of lives. Do you make business an excuse for not believing. Do you make the whole thing of work an excuse for not being full of faith? Joseph didn't. He didn't let success go to his head. We know that Joseph is second only to Pharaoh in the whole of Egypt. I bet if he went to a party, everybody wanted to speak to Joseph. I mean, it was that kind of honour culture. I bet if he'd have walked down the town, there would have been bodyguards. Out the way, out the way, here comes Joseph. <laughs> That's me. No, he didn't let that success go to his head. He still said, God, I want to trust in you. He didn't let the experience of family, good or bad, affect him from following God. On the bad side of it, his family had rejected him. They cannot say anything good about him. He could have easily said, I can't trust God. I mean, don't you know, my own brothers sold me as a slave. He didn't write off his family and say, well, if you knew my background, you'd know I couldn't believe. No, he, he wasn't like that. 
even though he'd suffered, he'd not had an easy life. He'd been wrongly accused, he'd been sold as a slave, he'd known loneliness and rejection. He'd had to endure hunger and disappointment. Every time something seems to go well, another obstacle. But he doesn't wallow in self-pity. He says, I'm still trusting God. At the end of 110 years, he's still full of faith. Oh God, I want to be like that. We have a guy in our church that um, helped set up the food bank. He's 74 and still running for God. And I always think, great, I love that. There's another guy at our church who takes the offering every Sunday. He's 85. And I always think, oh God, let me be handling, no, no, let me be serving the church when I'm 85. My fourth point will be this. Faith impacts. Faith has an impact. Billy Graham, the American evangelist, many of us would know, says the greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money or other material things accumulated in one's life, but rather a legacy of character and faith. You see, our faith impacts other people. It impacts those around us. So why do I think the author of Hebrews referred to the bones? Because I think actually Joseph's faith impacted generations. Now I know because I actually listened to Randolph's preach last week that you are Bible scholars here. And so you'd all say to me, oh Pete, how do you argue that from one verse? Think about it. When Joseph buried his father, where did he do it? They travelled out of Egypt. Do you remember? They travelled out because actually his father wanted to be buried in this land. He didn't want to be buried in Egypt. But what happened to Joseph? They embalmed him and kept him with the people. So actually his faith would have impacted the following generations for years to come. I would like to believe that the whole time during slavery, which then came for 400 years, his bones would have been there. You see, he would have literally, you know, and it seems a bit morbid, I did think, oh, should I bring a skeleton along? I thought, I don't know these people well, you know. But it's almost like, oh, they're under slavery. They're being beaten. They're being forced to make them. Oh, but his bones are here. Why are his bones here? Oh, because... The last thing he said was this. God is going to take us. God is going to take us to our land. God said it in his word. God prophesied it. His bones are here. The backbone of faith of a nation. Eh? <laughs> That's the challenge, isn't it? How do I know that? Because it says in Exodus 13. I do apologise. I wish I'd have had these up for you. Exodus 13. When Pharaoh... Let the people go. God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. This is after 400 years. Moses has come. Da -da -da -da, plagues have happened. And they're about to go. 
God led the people around the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea. We get all these details, don't we, about, oh, shall we take on the Philistines? No, let's go another way. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt, equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, it says in verse 19. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry my bones up from here. Oh, so there we go, 400 years later, his bones were still being looked after. Why? Because this was a faith statement to the whole nation. But we know, don't we, that they mess up big time in the wilderness. We know that it should have been a few days' walk, but instead, because they sinned, it turned into a 40-year ramble. What were they carrying the whole time? The bones of Joseph. I, I don't think they ditched them. I don't think they thought, you know what? 40 years, what am I carrying this lot for? I don't think they'd just stick them under that tree or they'd just lob them behind a bush. I don't think they did that. God came in judgment, but what did they think? God said he's going to take us because we got the bones. The Amalekites are coming against us, what did they think? God's going to deliver us because we've got the bones. Hey, we're running out of food and water. No, no, God's going to deliver us. We've got these bones throughout the 40 years. And then what happens? Joshua, you know, we've got this verse. You better take this place. I can't take this place. I mean, look, there's giants. There's a fort. No, 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 no. We've got the bones. When they get into that, how many kings? I mean, they just take on five lots of kings, don't they? But we've got the bones. Pete, are you over-egging this? Preachers do sometimes do that. No, I'm not. Because if you've got your Bible, you flip to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua, the whole book of explaining how they settle into the land. It says, after all these things, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him. This is Joshua. They buried him in his own inheritance, which is in the hill country, north of the mountains. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. Oh, wow. That's a really nice finished story, isn't it? But there was it saying in verse 32. As for the bones of Joseph, which the people of Israel brought up from Egypt... They buried them at Shechem, in the place of the land that Joseph brought from the sons of Hamor. It became an inheritance for the descendants of Joseph. So I think this is probably why, because what they recognised is that Joseph's faith didn't just impact him. It wasn't just even his immediate family. It impacted a nation, not just for one generation, but for many. It's a huge flow because of his faith. We are called to be people of faith. T.D. Jakes, the bishop as we like to call him, says you cannot see in a storm. That's why he told you to walk by faith and not by sight. I heard as you were praying for people as part of your meeting this morning, there are storms in some people's lives. But we walk by faith. Not by sight. Now you can suddenly think, oh, but Pete, we don't have the bones. <laughs> there are no bones here. I'm not going to dig this up. I'm not going to turn this into a relic. 
I'm not going to say come and touch the bones. What stirs our faith? Well, I think the thing that stirs my faith is there are no bones. What do you mean? Well, we know, don't we, in the Gospel of John, that when the disciples have grieved because Jesus died on the cross and they saw the tomb where he was placed, it tells us in John 20, on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. She came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place separate from the linen. You see, Jesus rose. So we don't have to carry some bones around to stir our faith. We, our faith is stirred because of an empty tomb. Our faith is stirred because Jesus rose. Our faith is stirred because he can do the impossible. Amen. Death could not hold him. You know what I'm saying? They, they thought they crucified him. They thought they killed him. They had. But he rose. And so I want to come and encourage you. Our faith is not based on the fact there's bones. Our faith is based on the fact that Jesus has risen. And so, whatever you're going for, I just want to fan and stoke and encourage a sense of enduring faith because of what he has done. We could look at Joseph and think, oh wow, he believed in God. His faith saw, his faith overcame, he had faith in God, his faith made this dramatic impact. But I'd like to believe that for you. I'd like to believe that for me. I mean, my prayer is, oh God, help me to believe in you. Help me to trust you. Who knows what God could do in you or through you this way? Who knows the legacy that could be left by this church? Who knows? It's by faith we walk, isn't it? You've sacrificially given, extended the building. You come and you serve faithfully week after week. You pray. Who knows what God could do? That's the eye of faith. And that's how we're looking, isn't it? Father, we do want to come and say we trust in you. I don't think anyone in the room is 110. But actually, we don't want to look at ourselves. Joseph wasn't looking at himself. He wasn't thinking, you know what, I can do this. He knew that he was at the end of his capabilities. But at the beginning of yours. I pray that we'll be a people of faith. That it's not about what we can do or what we can achieve, what we could pull off. I pray that our faith is in you. Jesus, we know you said, with man it's impossible, but nothing is impossible with God. Amen. Let's have faith in you, I ask, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Thank you, Peter, for that very challenging word. I'm sure we've each fed on that word this morning and let's take it into the coming week. Oh, it's really a real challenge to me anyway. I, I want to learn a bit more about uh, Joseph. I want to go home and read those 